Uh, well, Northside family, it's good to be with you today. And my name's Nate. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, and I'm so thrilled that you're here, especially if it's your first time. And uh, across the hallway, we have a video venue in our centrum. And would you welcome them in right now? We know this place is full, and so we got them in. I want to let them know that they are a part of the Northside family. And uh, for us here, we know this is a large church. I want to be very clear, though. We have no numerical goal as what we're trying to become as a church. All we're trying to say as a church is this, Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to do whatever you have called us to do. And so, God, we are just joining you. And however you want to grow this church, whatever you want to do in this church, Jesus, we are all for it. And uh, so I'm going to celebrate with you a, a number. It's a statistic, you know, but it's just a byproduct of what God is doing. We, this wasn't a goal on the wall that we had. This is just something that God did. And we just want to say, whoa, well, we want to celebrate this as a church. Uh, but last week, in the Northside family here, we celebrated for the first time in Northside's history. We had over a thousand kids in our kids' side ministry here last weekend. And we just said, man, this is unbelievable because every statistic everywhere else that you keep reading is the church is dying, people are walking away mon in monumental droves and all this other stuff. And, and what I really believe is this, a lot of people are walking away from fundamentalism. They're not walking away from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm not walking away from you. Actually, I'm walking towards you and I'm wanting to redeem everything in you. And so what we're finding here and here is not just that we're just a good church. It's that what's happening is Jesus is making his presence known in the homes around this community. And you are responding and saying, Jesus, we need your grace. We need your spirit. We need your power. We need your direction. And not only for me, but for my family as well. And I love this because I, as a dad of three, you know, and I'll say this all the time, I've never been a dad of three before. I don't know what I'm doing. But Jesus does, doesn't he? Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. See, this is why we are the church together and why we encourage one another. And as you saw in that video, people are going, yeah, you know what? We're trying to follow Jesus. We're just trying to do the best we can. And we can't save ourselves. Matter of fact, as much as I love my family, I can't save my family, but I can point my family to Jesus. I can say, God, this is what I want over me, and this is what I want for my family. As a matter of fact, I began to think a little bit about my old childhood. Anybody remember any of these things? Right, like I, if I shared them to my kids, they'd be like, is that a DVD, Dad? You know, and they don't even know what DVDs are anymore, let alone a VHS. Uh, but man, as a kid, this ruled my life, especially on Sunday afternoon, it ruled my life because if I had been obedient all week, if I had followed, if I had done my chores, if I was good at five years old, if I didn't get kicked out of Sunday school class at church, I would come home and after lunch when I was five and mom and dad would present me with this and it would be WWF Saturday night main event on VHS and I got to watch it on Sunday afternoon. It was a big highlight for me. Let's go praise Jesus and watch wrestling, right? And uh, very spiritual, very spiritual life. Uh, but for me, it wasn't just wrestling. It was on one of these that I saw Rocky Four. Uh, because my parents stayed up one night and they recorded it. You know how like with VHS, what you would do is this, so you wouldn't have to watch it with commercials. You would hit pause record, you know, and then you'd hit it again. So that way you could watch it, you know, and this was such a big influence in my life. And the reason why I share this is because this is just a great illustration that God kind of showed me is this, you know, on this one, you can see there's an indention. And if you were to buy like the Lion King on VHS or something like that, it would come with a poked hole. And what you would try to do is if you tried to record over one of these and it had that hole punched in, it wouldn't let you record. 
Anybody know the trick on how to record over that? You tape over that bad boy, don't you? Man, you tape over that, then you can record whatever you want. Even if it was like a real Disney movie, if you put tape over that, you could record whatever, you know, movie, WWF, Rambo, any of that. So if you could record whatever you wanted on that. And the reason why I share that is this, because when it comes to prayer, here's what I know about you and I. Everybody in this room, we all have a story going on, don't we? There is a story going on right now in this room with every single person here. I don't know what your story is. I don't know the peaks and the valleys and the highlights and the highs and the low. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. You came into today and who you are as a creation of God, you have a story going on in your life. And when it comes to prayer, the reason why we're doing this, this whole series called Permission to Speak Freely is this, because when we begin to pray, what we're saying is metaphorically, what we're saying is this, God, we are putting tape over our lives and we're saying, God, we want you to speak over our lives and over our old story. See, the power of prayer is this, that when we come to God in prayer, we go, yeah, God, here's my story and here's my life. But prayer is this. You might want to write this down. Prayer is recording a new message over an old story in our life. We bring our stories to God. We bring our situations to God. And oftentimes, this is what happens. We say, God, would you fix this in my life? And he goes, I would love to fix it. Except here's the deal, Nate, you got to put tape over your life and you got to let me begin to speak a new message in your life. And I go, no, I'd rather just tell you to fix it, God. I'd rather you just fix it. He goes, oh, no, I want to. But you need to give me permission to record a new message, Nate, over your old story. And see, well, here's what happens is when we begin to pray, when we begin to bring our lives, matter of fact, this is why the whole goal of this series is this. It's not just that you and I become these great, brilliant, praying people who are so eloquent that everybody's like, man, I wish I could pray like them. No, you know what the goal of this series is? The goal of this series is simply this. Would you begin to pray and to talk with God right where you are? Just right where you are. And see, here's what happens when we begin to talk with God with right where we are, when we begin to pray, when we begin to put some tape over our lives and say, God, I want you to record your message over me. You know what? I think that's the reason why that song, No Longer Slaves, speaks so much to this church here. Because when we sing that, we say, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And what we're saying is this, I am a child of God. And we need to hear that message over us because we have an old story that keeps replaying our failures. It keeps replaying every fault in our life. And that is exactly where Satan wants to keep you. He doesn't want you to just have to go to the church of Satan. You're going, no, I'm not going to go to that church. But here's what Satan wants. Satan's going, would you just remain isolated? And in your old story, keep replaying your failures, keep replaying your fears, because then God can't speak a new message into your life. Not because he's not speaking and not because he doesn't want to, but because you simply won't give him permission to. Do you see the power of prayer? See, prayer is going, God, I want your message in my life. I need your word to be speaking over me. I need you. Did you know this? This is why I keep forgetting this, but this is why this is in here. Did, did you know that the most quoted command in Scripture is not you better love God or else? It's not you better be a good person. You know what the most quoted command in all of Scripture is? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You know how many times it's in the Scriptures? 365 times. 
we go, huh, what a coincidence. You think? <laughs> See, sometimes this has been my problem. Okay, God, today I'm just not going to have any more fear. Can we get over the idea that you and I aren't going to be afraid? No, 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 that is, that is not the goal. I'm just not going to be afraid. No, 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 the goal is this. What do you and I do with our fear? That's the question. You and I, what, what do we do with our fear? You hear the clinical things, they say stuff like this. With our fear, we either do one of three things. There's either fight, flight, or we freeze. In our fear, it's not that we won't have it. The question is, what are you and I doing with the fear when it comes up? I love, this is why I love our church. Uh, after, uh, after the service last night, I was out in the lobby, and a guy came up to me last night, and he said, I can't believe you didn't say it. And I said, uh, say, say what? Man, what was I supposed to say? He goes, you were talking about WWF? And I said, yeah. And he said, and you were talking about fear running wild? He goes, I can't believe you didn't speak it in a Hulk Hogan vo voice and say, what you gonna do, brother, when fear runs wild on you? I said, I love this church. These are my people, man. But what are you going to do, brother, when fear runs wild on you? What do we do? Hey, can I be honest with my greatest fear with you today? You know what my greatest fear is? Just to be totally transparent. My greatest fear is failure. My greatest fear is failure. And, and, and you go, well, that's not bad. Let me tell you where a fear of failure takes me. Here's where a fear of failure takes me. A fear of failure takes me, instead of relying on the power and the presence of God, I start relying on the power and the presence of Nate. And then here's what happens. I'm a, I'm a guy, when fear comes, I go to fight. I'm not going to let this fail. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to drive through. I'm going to power through this. And here's what happens. I don't know if you've ever been there, but when you start doing that long enough, you get exhausted, don't you? It's exhausting to manufacture energy in your life, isn't it? It's just exhausting. And after a while, here's what happens. I get exhausted. And when I get exhausted, here's what I quit doing. I quit risking what God has called me to risk. And I quit living by faith. And I only start living by fear. Do you see the road that that takes you down? It, it, it was awesome. A lady, I shared that last night, lady came out to me in the lobby. She's only been here for four weeks, just moved to town. She said, it is so refreshing that you would actually be honest with your fears. She said, because I've been so embarrassed of this in my life. I said, well, what was it? She said, a couple of years ago at my last church, she said, I went to a women's Bible study and I was so nervous just to go to the Bible study. And she said, I showed up, which is a big deal. And she said, hey, and I showed up there and she said, then the leader looked at her and said, okay, next week at the Bible study, steady, you're going to open us in prayer. She said, and I, I, I never went back. She gone, right? Flight. She said, because I didn't want everybody in the room to know I am not good at praying out loud. And she said, not only did I not go back to that Bible study the next week when it's my turn, she said, I never went back to the Bible study for fear of what they would say or what they would think. What do you do with your fear? Where do, where do you take it? You and I, we're taking our fear somewhere. The problem is a lot of times we don't even know that we're dealing with it or that we're taking it someplace. 
But here's what I know from my own life. The more I don't deal with the fear that's in my life, the more fear it creates. The more fear it creates. And the more I don't deal with it, the more it stacks up. And the more I just begin to go, God, I need to deal with this, but I don't know how to deal with this. Or I just quit talking to God about it, and I just, I'll just start dealing. See, this is why the Psalms are so important. This is why praying and having this permission to speak freely, it's not just will you not be afraid, it's what are you doing with the fear when it comes into your life. And this is why Psalm 22 is such a great story. We think we have a story. God is saying, I want to write a new story over your story. I want to dub over this. I want to present a new message in the midst of your fear when you don't know what to do with it, when you don't know how to resolve your fear. He goes, I want to give you a new way. In Psalm chapter 22, this is a deep story. I didn't even know the depth of this until a couple years ago until I started unpacking this and I went, wow, God, this story was here all along and I was unaware of it. And my prayer for you today is this, is that you would begin to see the depth of God's story that he has for you, that in the midst of whatever fear you carry, he wants to take it. And he wants to work through your fear so you can talk with him in it. Listen how Psalm chapter 22, David begins to write this. And he's just writing, he's writing, he's praying from where he is, just like you and I would pray from where we are. He begins to pray from where he is in Psalm chapter 22. And listen how he opens up just simply in verse 1. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that line sound familiar to anybody? I didn't realize this, but this is one of the lines that Jesus prays on the cross. See, Jesus, even in the midst of his fear of dying, took his fear to the Lord, and he prays this prayer from Psalm chapter 22 because Jesus is going, even in my fear of dying, I am going, God, I want your message to be over me. And he prays this in Psalm chapter 22. I had it all confused. I thought when, God, when Jesus prayed that on the cross, he was giving us permission just to go, see, you can just question God, and that's what he's doing. And we can bring our questions to God, but Jesus was doing something deeper. See, what happens is when somebody would quote the first line of a psalm, they meant the whole psalm. They didn't just mean that one moment. Well, let me, let me give you an example. Actually, Vince, one of our volunteers, he heard the sermon last night, and he's like, Nate, let me help you make it better. And, uh, and he did. This is why we're the church. We help each other out. He said, I was actually teaching my kids about Psalm 22 and how the Lord is with us in our fears. And he said, and he said that very same thing. He said, when somebody says the first line of a psalm, they mean the entire psalm. And this was his example. I thought it was brilliant. He said, it would be like one of us saying this, I pledge allegiance. Can you guys figure it out? Right? And on and on and on and on and on it goes. I don't need to say it. I just need to say the first phrase, don't I? I pledge allegiance. And there you go. When Jesus says this from Psalm chapter 22, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? What he is meaning is this. He's saying, God, I'm wanting your message of Psalm 22. I am praying the entire psalm right now. See, Jesus grew up in a psalm-soaked world. And you know what I love about this? For some of us, we don't know how to pray. And did you know that Jesus just borrowed this prayer from Psalm chapter 22 on the cross? This is the beauty of praying scripture. If you don't know how to pray and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to say, you can just begin to pray scripture. 
I, I don't have the words. I don't have, here is Jesus in his most fearful moment. And what he's doing is simply this. He's just praying Psalm chapter 22. And forever, I messed this up theologically. I thought Jesus was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is what I began. This is why we need scripture and we need the Holy Spirit because this is what I began to say. Yep, see, when Jesus was dying for the sins of the world, God turned his back on him. And God ran from him. And God can't be there and God left him. When actually what we're going to find in Psalm 22 is this. God heard every cry and was with Jesus every moment on the cross. So that in the middle of your fears and my fears, God is not turning his back going, shame on you, get your act together. No, God is running after you in the midst of your fears. See, here's what we need to understand from this. Here's the, the permission to speak freely when we pray this and when we work through our fears. You might want to write this down as this. We take our fears to God or our fears will take us. See, that's what Jesus is doing on the cross. He's taking his fears to God. He's, pre he's praying through scripture. You and I both know this is what happens. This is what happens to me, man. When I start letting, if I don't take my fears to God and it's a wrestling match, and, and I, I gotta be honest, I have to wrestle my fears every time I step up here to preach. A lot of people go, you probably don't get nervous anymore. I go, uh-uh. Every service, I get nervous. Every service. And you know what the worst is on Saturday night when I tank? The whole night, I'm like, oh, man. And I'm just like riding all over again. I'm like, please, can I preach again? And no, God's like, you got to sleep on that. You got to trust me. And then it better be better tomorrow, Nate. But, you know, you know, but, you know, it's one of those things that every single time, it's like there's this wrestling match when you get up because here's, I don't want to get up here and fail. And so then I start wrestling with my own failure. And this is why God is going, Nate, you got you to bring your fear to me or else fear is going to take over you. This is why Paul even writes this to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, because it's not just that fear is going to go away. Fear will never go away until heaven comes to earth fully and Christ returns. He knows fear is a part of our culture. And, and Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4. He's like, hey, it's not bad that you're afraid. It's what are you doing with your fear? And listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 4 to the church, and he says it to you and I. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about anything. He gives you permission in the small things of your life, the small details that nobody else notices but only you. He goes, I know. Don't be anxious about that. And he doesn't just say don't be anxious and quit being anxious. He goes, don't be anxious but in, about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. Do you realize that Jesus' last night before he went to the cross, three times the scripture says he slipped away to pray and he asked God to take away the cross. Do you know that you and I, and I don't want to say this is permanent, but... Let's be honest, we don't fear everything in our lives, but there's a few things that we fear over and over again, isn't there? It just keeps coming back. And we say stuff like this, I prayed about it. I guess nothing's, I guess God's not working. No, welcome to being human. Welcome to being, this is why Jesus prayed three times that night for God to take away the cross, because he knew the fear of what was coming. 
Fully God yet fully man. And he is showing us the way that we can continue. Here's how we deal with our fear. We take our fears to the Father. God, I'm afraid. I'm freaking out here. Well, Nate, you don't try to solve it. You come to me. This is why scripture and why prayer is so important because it is a new message over an old story that we keep playing. And I got to tell you this, as long as I'm going to be alive, I'm going to probably struggle with the fear of failure my whole life. I'll struggle with it. I'll have to fight it. And I'll have to keep bringing it to the Father over and over again. This is why our life groups matter so much. But you know what's so powerful is this in that passage in Philippians, it says this, in the peace of God, when you do that, in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I looked at the, uh, at the word transcend, the Greek word. It's such a, a unique word. It's where we get the word hyper from, to go fast, to go beyond. Literally, it means to rise above, to overtop Everything that God says, when you bring it to me, I am able to transcend anything you're going through. I'm able to do what you can't do. I'm able to do what this world can't do. I can transcend. This is what the peace of God does. It comes into maybe your permanent situation. And he goes, I know your, your situation is permanent here on life, but my peace can transcend the permanence that you're going through. I'm permanently going to be afraid of this. Great. And my peace can transcend your fear, Nate. So bring it to me. I can permanently transcend everything. Because what happens is this. As soon as you start digging in, and I want to invite you this week, and if you don't have a bookmark, to go out to get a bookmark when you leave. There's a psalm to read every day. And I want to encourage you to read Psalm 22. I can only highlight a few verses because what we're going to find and what you find is when you open up God's word is this, is that Jesus is always going before us. He's always going before us in our life. You might be tied up in fears right now, and I will face fears every day. And even in the midst of my fears, Jesus is always going before us. I got a ministry coach that I meet with every month because I don't know what I'm doing as a senior pastor. And, uh, and this is what we do when we step into things. We have people speak into our life. His name's Tim Foote. He's from Australia, so he already sounds smart. You know, I get on a Zoom call with him, and he's like, mate, how are you, mate? Mate, and I'm like, just keep talking, Tim. You know, you can say whatever you want. And he always ends our time. How can I pray for you, mate? How can I pray for you, mate? And this is what he said. You know, Tim, I'm struggling with this. And, you know, I'm afraid of this and, and this and this. And he goes, mate, mate, mate. <laughs> mate, mate, mate. The Lord goes before you, mate. Next month, we circle back, and he's typing my prayers. He's typing my fears up. He prays all month for me. We come back, and he asks me about them. Mate, how'd it go? And I tell him what happened, and he just starts shaking his head. And I said, I know. The Lord went before me. That's right, mate. <laughs> and he's constantly reminding me every month. The Lord is always going before you. And in Psalm chapter 22, David is just writing his life. He doesn't, he's just writing by the Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit's guidance. But did you know in, in Psalm 22, I didn't know this, but in Psalm chapter 22, all, refer, all seven references that Jesus says on the cross is found in Psalm chapter 22. All seven incidents on the cross are in Psalm Chapter 22, 
God was already prophesying through Psalm 22 what was to come for you and I. What was to come in Jesus and to where he is meeting us ahead of time in our fears, holding us together, paying the debt, setting us free. Listen to what it says in verse 7 through 8. David's just writing about this of his own life and Jesus fulfills it. But in verse 7 it says, all who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. And they say, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. This is exactly what people said to Christ when he was on the cross. He saved others. Why can't he save himself? Call on Elijah to save you. Here it is in Psalm chapter 22. The word of God already going before us. Jesus already fulfilling this. If you go down to verse 14. David says, I am poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. If you remember when they poked Jesus in the side with the spear, do you remember what came out of his side? Water. Which a lot of theologians believe this, that when Christ died, he literally died of a broken heart that exploded in him. And here in Psalm 22, my heart has turned to wax and it has melted away within me. Do you hear God going before us in Jesus? Taking care of everything. That Here's Psalm 22. David's just writing by the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Come on now. Bible, it's just you can't believe it. Okay, all right. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. People stare and they gloat over me and they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Exactly what happened at the cross of Jesus. Exactly what happens. You and I will always have our fear, but we will always have a Savior who goes before our fear. He's always going before us. Here it is in Psalm chapter 22. Matter of fact, the last night that Jesus has with his disciples, listen what he tells them because he knows fear is going to be constant. He knows in our life fear is not going to be escaped, but it's what we are doing with our fear. And we are either taking it to the Father or our fear is going to take us. And listen what he says in John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus says this to his disciples last night, last meal. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Jesus isn't stingy. He is generous. He is pouring it out. My peace I give you. And then he says, I do not give to you as the world gives. Jesus knows there's no house. There's no bank account. There's no pleasure. There's no relationship. There is nothing that can take care of the fear that you have except my peace. He says, I give that to you. And I don't give to you as the world gives. And he says this, so do not let your hearts be troubled. And here it is. And do not be afraid. He doesn't say, just go around not being afraid. He goes, let my peace carry you in your fear. Let my peace carry you in your fear. I give to you what the world can't give. 
See, this is why Psalm chapter 22 is this deep story. It meets us right in our fear, and it says, come to me, and I'm going to show you Christ. Not only going to prophetically show you him, but I'm going to show you the promise of Jesus in the rest of Psalm chapter 22. Listen to what it says in verse 24. Now we turn to the promise of, of this book and what David is just writing, and listen to what it says in verse 24. For he, God, has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. God was right there listening to Jesus all along. God is here right now listening to your cries all along. Your tearful nights, your sorrowful regret. God, help me. He hears it. He hears it. This is in Psalm 22. This is the promise we have in Jesus. He hears it. If you drop down to verse 27, listen to what it says. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All of the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. God was right there at the cross of Jesus. And if you remember what happened right when Jesus died, it said this, that the curtain in the temple, uh, the Holy of Holies, there was this curtain that separated God's presence from everybody else. And when Christ died, it said the temple curtain tore from the top to the bottom. Meaning this, that God was saying now it's not just about a holy place for his presence. He's saying my presence, I'm tearing it from the top to the bottom. Meaning I am unleashing my presence across the entire nations. So that everybody everywhere will have the opportunity for peace to flood in their life in the midst of fear. You've given him permission to tape over your life. Don't keep playing your old story. He's got a new message in the midst of your fear. Don't miss his message. He is with you. He is with us. Listen to how this ends. Verse 30. Posterity will serve him, meaning the next generation. Future generations will be told about the Lord. And then listen to what it says. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done it. For Jesus has gone before us. This is what it says in John chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus' last words on the cross. It says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said this word, it is what? Finished. He has done it. Jesus, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Did you guys know that you are in Psalm chapter 22? Do you know that? They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. I know some of you here today are old. You're not that old. My grandpa turns 95 on Monday. It's cool. He wasn't in Psalm 22, right? You know what I'm saying? To a people yet unborn. 
You have your fears. You and I, we have our stories, don't we? He has done it. Will you let him take that over your story? I had to pray and wrestle through this this morning. God, help me not to mess up this sermon. He has done it. Yeah, but God, I'm worried about this transitional phrase and I want it to be funny. And is it? He has done it. We wrestle, don't we? We wrestle all the time with our fear. You want to experience his peace? You want to pray with him in the midst of your fear? Let the cross conquer our fears. Let the cross conquer our fears. You quit trying. Me, you and I, we need to quit trying to conquer our fear. It is finished. You know what I love about that phrase? I learned this a couple years ago. That phrase is in the perfect tense, meaning this. Jesus didn't just die for the sins of our past. What he finished on the cross in that perfect tense means this. It is still finishing its work today, and it will never stop. Amen? Man, God is still finishing his work today. And as he's saying, I want you today, your past, your present, your future fear, it is finished. Keep bringing it to me. Keep letting me have it. Keep wrestling with it. I have this for you. And this is what he has because when we begin to let the cross conquer our fears, it's not that there's not pain. That's why Jesus prayed this. He's nailed to a cross. He's full of pain. He's full of fear. He's about ready to die. He's about ready to lose life. He is fully human. And he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's bringing his fears to the Father and he's reminded, oh, no, no, God, you've gone before me. And you are completing this work and you are with me and you are hearing every cry. You know every tear. And what he's saying is this. This is what happens when we let the cross conquer our fears. Here's what begins to happen. We actually begin to practice the presence of God in our lives. That's what prayer is. Prayer is going in the middle of my fear. God, I'm inviting you in. It's not just waking up today going, God, bless me today. Talk to you tonight. And on we go. Nine o'clock tonight. Hey, God. All right, and that's all we get out. God is going, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not the way of prayer through your fears. The way of prayer through our fears is constant with our Father. Before you go into a tough meeting, Father, get glory. Holy Spirit, speak. Don't let me speak. God, you speak. I'm afraid. Boy, I could, I could dismantle this person right now. Holy Spirit, you need to take over. Coming home from work, long day, kids are going crazy. Dear God, move in a mighty way today right now. Midst of your failure, God, thank you that even though I have failed and I've not met the mark, your cross met the mark. See how the cross sets us free? Your fear of the future, your, your failures from the past, your locked up moment right now in the present. Take it to the Father. Practice his presence right now. There's a greater story. 
a greater story that awaits you and I when we put some tape on our lives and we let his voice speak louder than ours. Right now, that's what we're gonna do. Our volunteers are gonna go back and get ready to serve communion. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna allow you, and we're doing this as a discipline every week, and we're gonna do a little bit different this week. We're gonna have some slides guide you in a conversation with the Father. And what we want right now is for you to begin to bring your fears to him because what he did on the cross conquered every fear, it conquered every failure, and he is with us right now. And so I just wanna ask you to engage with the direction on the screen to talk with the Father. And then if you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna invite you to take the bread and the juice and remember, no matter our fears, no matter our failure, it is finished. Let's talk with him right now.